0: So, welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. I'm very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so, one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another.
1: Our call to worship reading today is by Rev. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., We draw from a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Church of Germantown, Philadelphia, and a speech delivered at Riverside Church in New York City. Something should remind us once more that the great things in this universe are things that we never see. You walk out at night and look up at the beautiful stars as they bedeck the heavens like swinging lanterns of eternity, and you think you can see all oh no, you can never see the law of gravitation that holds them there. When I speak of love, I'm not speaking of some sentimental and weak response. I'm speaking of that force which all of the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of love. Love is somehow the key that unlocks the
0: door which leads to ultimate reality. In this congregation, we have a mission statement that guides our decision-making, guides our motion into the future. It's a living mission statement that we revisit every seven years to make it truer and truer to our evolving sense of what what we want and who we are. And we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community.
1: Our meditation reading today is adapted from the Litany for Peace by the Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, renowned Zen Buddhist monk, writer, peace activist, and spiritual leader. Let us be at peace with our bodies and our minds. let us return to ourselves and become wholly ourselves. Let us be aware of the source of being common to us all and to all living things. Evoking the presence of the great compassion, let us fill our hearts with our own compassion towards ourselves and towards all living beings. let us pray that we ourselves cease to be the cause of suffering to each other. With humility, with awareness of the existence of life and of the sufferings that are going on around us, let us practice the establishment of peace in our hearts and on earth.
0: Amen. Let us continue in an attitude of prayer and meditation as we pray to God, as we understand God and listen, as we listen to our inner wisdom or as we just watch our breath coming in and out of our bodies. Let us enter the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, tiny noises of children and the noises of life count as part of the silence. I was in South Carolina, where I lived, um, having a picnic with friends by a lake, and we were having, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, sodas, and a bunch of us were sitting around a table. And um, my friend Pat Job was sitting across the table from me. He's uh, he is one of my co-authors in the book Radio Free Bubba, and he's the one that came up with that title. Um, and my son, who was my older son, who was 14 at the time, was sitting next to him. And so we were just chatting, and suddenly I look over, and he's got my son's shirt bunched up in his fist. And my son is smiling, because he trusts Uncle Pat. And I hear Pat in his voice in which he delivers wisdom. Um, he's quite a character. He goes, Boy! I got something important to tell you, boy. Sam's listening. He goes, have you got a heart of compassion? Excuse me? A heart of compassion, boy, you heard me. More important than fast cars and hot women. A heart of compassion. Somebody took a photograph right at that moment, and so I have this picture of Sam with his shirt bunched in Pat's fist, Pat leaning over toward him. And I gave him a copy of that. He went off to school because he wanted to be near New York. Um, And uh, I knew he wouldn't get in, and I knew we couldn't afford it, but he got in, and there was a scholarship, so he went. Anyway, uh, we were dropping him off at his dorm, and it was really awkward, terrible, to say goodbye. And... He was like, Well, I'm just going to go down and see my coach now. And I said, Okay, so I handed him the picture. I said, I brought you a present. Handed him the photograph of Heart of Compassion. I said, You remember this? And he went, Heart of Compassion. <laughs> when we went back for Parents' Weekend, there it was on his dresser where he could see it when he woke up in the morning. So we am talk about compassion today, the difficulties and joys. I want to talk about the lyrics of Towns Van Zandt. I can't talk about the person because I didn't know him. All I know is his poetry, and um, some of you have been sharing your town stories this week with me, and it's just wild and wonderful. Um, I saw a documentary about his life, which was very sad and frustrating and beautiful to watch. And there was a story in there that I, I'm not sure I have all the details, but he was at a party. He was up on the balcony, maybe third floor or something, of a building, drinking with his friends. And he was sitting on the edge of the balcony. And then, as he told it later, I just wondered what it would be like to fall. So it fell. And I think he is one of those people that just throw himself at life, throw himself at the experiences of life. And we've all known people like that who throw themselves sometimes recklessly at the experiences of life. And those people have a quality that makes them really easy to love and also really, really difficult to love. There's a story in our culture, and I think it's just Western, European, American, white people culture, I'm not sure, but it's that the genius, the genius must be somehow damaged. And the more brilliant you are, the more messed up you're supposed to be. Artists, writers, you know, we have that sense of like Dashiell Hammett at his typewriter with a bottle of whiskey, and um, that if you're if you're relatively sane and sober, that you can't possibly be that brilliant. And also, they want you to die young. Because if you live too long, as an artist, a rock star, or whatever, um, you get punished. And they make jokes like, what's gonna be here after the nuclear winter? Cockroaches and Cher. And Keith Richards, God bless him. So, and they expect you somehow to stop being an artist as you get older. Like, why is Bob Dylan still writing songs? He wrote some good songs. I don't know why he's still a to He should just retire. Well, he writes songs because he's a songwriter, and that doesn't go away. You're an artist. You're an artist till you die. It's not a thing that you retire from. Anyway, our culture is pretty mean to artists, and I think that I think maybe Towns bought into that a little bit. I'm not sure. Surely the people around him might, might have. Um, this sermon I wrote on Facebook that that putting this sermon together was just like walking down a beach and picking up this rock and this shell and this uh, piece of seaweed and just saying. I, I know these are supposed to be in there, but I don't know how they go together yet. And so you bring them home, you put them on the windowsill, and then they start talking to each other. So one of the pieces that I picked up this week was from a colleague of mine named James Ford, and he wrote this. I found myself thinking of something that Ashan Shah Subato, the great Theravadan meditation master, once said about broken glass. And I have it. Framed and hanging on a wall in my office. One day, some people came to the master and asked, How can you be happy in a world of such impermanence where you cannot protect your loved ones from harm, illness, and death? The master held up a glass and said, Someone gave me this glass and I really like this glass. It holds my water admirably and it glistens in the sunlight. I touch it and it rings. One day the wind may blow it off the shelf, or my elbow may knock it from the table. I know this glass is already broken, so I enjoy it incredibly. And when I read some of Towns's poetry, is it okay with y'all if I just call him Towns? I see someone just beating their wings like a moth against this truth. That everything changes and that a person who's there one day isn't there the next. And that everything and everyone is already broken. And it takes the sages years of meditation and prayer and humility to learn to look this truthfully in the face and find the joy in it. In being absolutely present in each moment with the beauty and the pain that is within that moment. Can you enjoy a friendship knowing that somebody might say something terrible and the friendship might end? Can you look back at a marriage that lasted 10 years and say, no, that wasn't a waste of time. Just because it ended doesn't mean it shouldn't have ever been. There was beauty there too. Can you love your children knowing all the terribly dangerous things that could happen to them that they, that they are surrounded with or that they even carry within themselves? And most of us can just block out for periods of time that knowledge that security is an illusion and that life could change in a second and that pain and joy intertwine and that when you love, you open yourself up to loss. But some people, especially poets, don't have that filter. They are not able to block it out. And so they just throw themselves at that truth again and again and again. And sometimes they try to forget it with alcohol or drugs or some kind of their chosen oblivion. But then the daylight comes and they see it all over again, that bright, sharp truth that can blind you with its urgent light and send you spinning. In the song, Rake, he writes, You look at me now and don't think I don't know what all your eyes are saying. Does he want us to believe these ravings and lies? They're just tricks that his brain's been playing. A lover of women he can't hardly stand. He trembles, he's bent, and he's broken. I've fallen, it's true. But I say unto you, hold your tongues until after I've spoken. I was taking my pride in the pleasures I'd known. I laughed and thought I'd be forgiven. But my laughter turned around, eyes blazing, and said, my friend, we're holding a wedding. I buried my face, but it spoke once again, the night to the day we are binding. And now the dark air is like fire on my skin, and even the moonlight is blinding. Sooner or later, what you know, what you see in the daylight, stays with you at night. And what you know and what you see in the nighttime stays with you in the day. And sooner or later, there's a marriage that binds the night to the day, and you don't get to be unconscious anymore. You can't unsee what you've seen. And you have to love if you can, knowing that love opens you up to loss. And if you're a poet, you have to keep writing about it. So what is our proper response to this truth? Most of us want to respond like this. Oh, gracious, that is so depressing. Why are we talking about that? (laughs) Let's talk about something happy. But as you grow deeper as a spiritual and spirited person, you realize you can't have a spirited life without facing that truth. You realize that that truth holds joy in it too. You know, the glass is already broken, and so you enjoy it incredibly. And we embrace the impermanence with a wild courage, because that's what it takes. And we respond to pain with compassion for our others and for ourselves. The British writer Warson Shire writes this. Later that night, I held an atlas in my lap and ran my fingers across the whole world and whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, everywhere, 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 everywhere. Now, I am a happy person by nature, even though I spent many, 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 many years as a therapist and my ears were full of other people's pain and, and my eyes were full and my spirit was full of other people's pain, but I also wanted to hold an atlas in my hand and acknowledge what Dr. Shire saw and add, where is the beauty and joy everywhere, 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 In his song, If I Needed You, that you heard Jordan sing, both are there. Well, the night's forlorn and the morning's born, and the morning shines with the lights of love, and you'll miss sunrise if you close your eyes, and that would break my heart in two. So we deal with this world of impermanence by training ourselves, by practicing being present in every moment, and not clutching the things that make us happy to us and try to make them happen over and over again. Just, well, as the English poet Blake said, he who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy, but who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. And now that's where the sermon would end if I were a sweet and earnest minister. And I do try. But I need to talk about compassion for a moment. We are present in all moments with compassion for ourselves and all beings. But this part feels wearying to me. I mean, really? All beings? And I comfort myself and I say, the Buddha was talking in a time when there was no TV. (laughs) And there was no 24-hour news cycle. And you weren't as aware of all the horrors of the world as we are now. And so I bet what he meant was just to have compassion for the people you hold in your heart, the people who cross your path, the people you're with. And still, that's wearying, because some people are really hard to feel compassionate toward. Am I right? I mean, they... They have problems in life that that sometimes they brought on themselves, and they keep themselves in a situation, and they make decisions that you want to just go. I knew I needed to stop being a therapist the day I said to this young woman, please do not marry that guy. (laughs) I thought, ooh, I'm burned out. But then I realized, okay, you can have compassion for the people who are in your life, even people who are not in your life, the people who strike your spirit. You can have compassion for all beings because compassion doesn't mean you have to fix things for them. That is always a revelation for me. I don't know how many times I've learned it because I'm a firstborn Virgo-raised Presbyterian white lady, and I feel like, well, if something's wrong, I should fix it. And if I can't fix it, then I just have to forget about it. But no, 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 that's wrong. You can have compassion for someone you feel with them in their struggle. You do what you can, and you don't have to fix it. (sighs) I'm looking forward to the next time I learn that. Another thing that I picked up off the beach is this um, concept from yogic teaching about having compassion for someone for whom your compassion is doing absolutely no good. In fact, they'll take all you've got and just play you for more, or they'll take all you've got and they don't fill up. Everything you give them just leaks right out again. And what the yogis call that is idiot compassion. And they advise against it. And... Being with an artist who's an addict, I would imagine is a challenge to your compassion. When to stop. Giving. Because nobody, except the author of the Giving Tree, which I think is a sick book. <laughs> nobody wants to give till they're a stump. That's not good. You were created to be a tree. Don't give away your leaves and your branches. Don't give away your trunk. You're not supposed to be a stump. You're supposed to be a tree. Don't get me started. <laughs> so, we try to be present in the moments that we're in and we try to have compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. And we try not to be idiots. And we try to stay awake. As Towns wrote, to live is to fly. Low and high, so shake the dust off your wings and the sleep out of your eyes. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the wall